Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we have just a few minutes remaining, so I just want to uh, share a short devotional with you from Philippians chapter 3. And really just encourage you and, and challenge you as well as we try to really think about Christian education. And I would say one of the pitfalls that uh, we strive to uh, just work around here at our Christian school and really many Christian schools, but I also would submit to you that it comes into any Christian's, any Christian's life. And I was just going through my news feed here a couple weeks ago and something popped up on my news feed uh, about three weeks ago just as a reminder of an historical event. On February the 20th, 1980, uh, an event known as the Miracle on Ice when the U.S. hockey team beat the Soviet hockey team in the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. If you know the story well, the Soviets had won in 1964, 1968, 1972, and 1976. They were the number one seed going into the Olympics in 1980. The U.S. team was the number seven seed going into that Olympics. They had played actually a week earlier at Madison Square Garden in New York, and the Soviets destroyed the Americans 10 to 3 in, in a matchup. And so it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Soviets were going to win the, cha- the Olympic gold medal that year. And as it would go in the, in the round-robin play, the U.S. did very well. They won four games and lost one, and they matched up against the Soviet Union in the semifinal uh, match uh, to get to the gold medal game after losing 10-3 to just a week earlier. If you know the story well, uh, the, uh, the U.S. kept the game very close. They were down 3-2 to going into the third period, and they scored two goals in that third period and won uh, that game 4-3 to in one of the greatest upsets in, in sports history. And there's been a lot of uh, discussion about why did the Soviets lose. They were unbeatable, and, and uh, maybe there was a sense of we are unbeatable, we are the greatest team of all times. No one can beat us. And there was a sense, maybe possibly, of some pride that was, that was in that particular hockey team. And they ended up losing, and the U.S. went on to win the gold medal. But I want to be careful as we look at our lives from a, from a spiritual perspective. And I think about these students sitting over here. And I think about all of us, many of us who have grown up in church. We're here on a Sunday night service that it's so easy even for, for spiritual pride to, to creep into our lives. It's so easy for us to start thinking that even God uh, owes us something, that we deserve something from God because, you know, look how good I am. Look what I'm doing. Look how I'm serving. I've been in Christian school. We have seniors here that have been in Christian school since they were three or four years old. God, you, you owe me something. And here in Philippians chapter 3, just briefly, I just want to remind us, of what Paul says in verse number 4 of Philippians 3. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And Paul says, spiritually speaking, I, had, I could have all the pride, the spiritual pride that you could think of. Verse number 5, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. And Paul just works through systematically that he was circumcised the eighth day. He followed the law. He was of the nation of Israel. He was a a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the prominent tribes of Israel. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. 
Paul strictly maintained his family's traditional Jewish heritage. But yet he comes to the conclusion that all of those don't matter when we think about our spiritual lives. And I think about these students over here, and I think about us in general, and, and we, start, we can start having a similar list, can't we? We can start checking off all these boxes. I attend church every Sunday night. I tithe every week. I wear the correct clothes to each service. I was calculating with our seniors how many chapels and how many Bible classes they, and, and church services they have sat through. And I, we calculated there's been over 5,000 services, chapels, or Bible classes that our seniors have sat through. I've never been involved in drinking or smoking or physically immoral. I've, I've never received a demerit in our Christian school. I've always, I've always respected the teacher. We can just have a list of, of how good we really are. And that's a danger for all of us, isn't it? That we step back and we start thinking that we're really a good person and we check all the boxes off. But notice... What Paul says there in verse number seven, but what things were gained to me? All these things I counted lost for Christ. Because what's most important? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And one of our burdens here at Matthew's Christian Academy, one of our burdens really for our church family is not that we would just do church, not that we would just do the Christian life, not that we would just get this self-righteousness because, man, we look around and, and the culture is just eroding around us and look how good we are. No, we, we do want to do the right thing, but, but why do we do that? I want to know Jesus Christ, my Lord. Verse number nine, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then Paul comes to this conclusion in verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And our greatest longing, and it was shared tonight by, through testimony by staff and students, our greatest longing is that our, our young people here would come, that they would truly experientially know Jesus. Not just avoid the demerits, not just get all A's on a report card, not just check all the boxes of what to wear and what to say and what not to say and what to do and what not to do, but that they would passionately come to a point in their lives that they know Jesus Christ. Not just know about him, but know him. One of the things we do as a school uh, each fall as we go to school camp up in Virginia, just north of Charlottesville. And uh, one of the activities there at the camp is called the death rail. And um, the death rail, the, uh, the maintenance supervisor there at the camp many years ago took guardrails uh, from the side of the road that they were disposing of, and he actually put them in the ground going down a fairly steep hill. And he built a cart, four wheels, a little box, and put a seat on it that fits right in those guardrails, and uh, you hold on, and then you just go flying down the hill. And uh, the students always like to get me in that cart, and the guys like to push me, so I go a little bit faster. And uh, I think uh, Mr. Kelly, who's the camp director up there, mentioned that you go about 32 miles an hour down this hill, so you are going at a pretty good clip. But you know what? The students come back, and they tell the 6th through 8th grade students who don't go to camp, they talk about the death rail. And the 6th through 8th grade students may know about the death rail, but they haven't experienced the death rail. These students over here 
and the staff, most of them, have experienced the death rail and the walk back up the hill. And our burden for our young people is that they would experience Jesus. And I love what Paul says in verse number 10, the power of his resurrection, that supernatural power that will energize us, that will fuel us, that will encourage us, that will give us strength in the midst of, of difficulty, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And I don't want to live a life that's full of spiritual pride. I want to live a life that's dependent upon him. And I need to know him. It's not merely an intellectual knowledge, but it's a heart experience of what and who God is. It's a person-with-person knowledge through intimate fellowship. And I, I remind myself and I remind our students, I remind us tonight, it's not the accrual of more facts about Jesus. It's not simply passing a theological test. It's a thorough participation with a person in view, and that person is Jesus. And this knowledge only comes from a personal involvement with him because apart from Christ, every other way to develop godliness creates a self-righteousness. It creates a self-pride. And is it possible to open your Bible and be nothing more than a self-righteous moral person? And I pray that our school, we we were called to produce disciples of Jesus Christ. And parents, so are you. And we want to reach their hearts. And why do we want to reach their heart? Why do we want them to know God? Because uh, in Psalm 9, verse 10, Scripture says, Those who know your name will put their trust in you. And we know as, as adults who have some more life experience that life can be challenging at times. There's struggles. There's frustrations. There's disappointments. And my prayer is that our young people would come to know God personally so that those who know your name will put their trust in you. And we know that. Those of you who have kids, when they were small, maybe they're getting ready to jump into that swimming pool to go swimming for those swimming lessons. And mom and dad are in the pool and that kid's on the, on the, on the, on the edge ready to jump in. And you're trying to urge them to, to make that leap of faith. And why do they do that? Because there's a trust in you. And if you're like me, I dropped one of my kids and they sank to the bottom. But they got back out and they jumped back in. But God never drops us. God never lets us down. And that, that trust only comes when we can know our Heavenly Father. And so that's what we're all about. That's what we do here every day. We seek to point our, our young people back to Christ so that they come to know him personally. And that's a hard job because that means the spirit has to work in their heart. I can't, you know, twist their arms proverbially to to make them love God. It's got to be the spirit working in their hearts. And so we pray for them and over them, and we disciple, and we confront, and we just keep pointing them back to what they need, and that's Jesus. And that's exactly what you and I need. So this week, I don't know what you're going to face, but I'm thankful that we have a God that already knows that, and I pray that we would seek to cultivate that relationship with him so that when those trials come, we, we go running back to him. And I'm reminded of, of as I close, just a, an acquaintance of mine a couple weeks ago um, was, was at a funeral, and a dear saint uh, up in his 90s passed away, and he made this comment about just our our need to run to Jesus. And he says, in times of difficulty, 
I have found that those who find the most peace and joy run to Jesus. Run, run to Jesus. And that's what we try to do here at our school. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I trust that was an encouragement to you. And then are there any final announcements, Pastor, that we need to make? Okay. Let's have a word of prayer and then we can be dismissed. Lord, we are so thankful for what we have heard tonight. Lord, thank you for 47 years of of having a Christian school of impacting lives. And that Bible Baptist Church can can be um, just a a lighthouse, really, in this community of, of having young people come here to learn not only the math and science and English and history and the subjects, but they can learn about Jesus. And Lord, my prayer is that this group of students and this church family, that we would not have any type of spiritual pride because of of what you have done for us, but remind us that our righteousness is only found in Jesus Christ. And that we would truly know you and the power of your resurrection, that power that will energize us and help us and, and see us through whatever comes across our path. And Lord, we need your spirit to work in our hearts to accomplish that. We can't do that in our own strength. And so this week, we ask that you would accomplish your purposes in the lives of your people. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.